Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Nova Ready. This is Stephen Robles, and we are still in our North Carolina still in the hills. <laughs> recording studio. That's right, and so we're up here in the mountains, and uh, glad to come at you again here. Yeah, man. Today, I th- we're gonna, we got a special one today. Uh, <laughs> it, we're, I think we're going to entitle it... Um, our day with the mountain prophet. Mm. <laughs> when you come up in the yes. mountains, you get all kinds of characters. Yes. Yes. You got to have a day with the mountain prophet. Right. Um, That's right. I was saying that kind of tongue in cheek because uh, we have, uh, my parents have this friend out here and I won't, I actually won't mention his name because he actually does. Um, he does he, a lot of work. Yeah, he does a lot of work. He, he works with the government in some ways. Um, He's often at the White House and gets invited yeah. to things. And if you met him on the street, you'd never think that, or, yep. or would you know? For sure, say this guy doesn't know anything. But yeah, he's for sure. So and and he told us that people were kind of listening on his calls. He was, I guess, right. talking with a senator at some point. He's like, right, I think somebody's right. listening on my calls. He's like, oh yeah, they're definitely listening. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't mention his no. name here, but um, and I don't know that he would refer to himself as the Mountain Prophet. No, and we don't want to get in, you know the whole debate about are there modern prophets and that's no, no, that's not about it's, that. We're just you know we're just having fun here. Yeah, but, but we will say this man, he has an amazing mind and memory. Uh, loves history. And when we started talking to him, he was talking about the Revolutionary War. Yeah, talking about stuff that happened in these mountains of North Carolina. And me, always, you know, wondering, you know, are people really talking truth, knowing what they're talking well, about? Well, Steven's the, he's the incessant fact checker. Mm-hmm. So I was no, fact checking. Whenever we company. say something about him, just know sure. he's, he's got us falling out. He's That's right. He's, but he was talking about the over-mountain men, the Revolutionary War. And so I was Googling as fast as I could. And everything he was saying was spot on. And, and the dates and how um, the Battle of King's Mountain was a turning point in the Revolutionary War. And they had this and such and such to do with it. Spot on. Like he was basically reciting yeah. the Wikipedia article and other articles about it. So he's, he's truly an incredible guy. It's, yeah, man. And this was interesting too. I think when my when our parents first first told us about him, they were saying he used to get up at like every day, like five a.m. in the morning and just walk these mountains, right. which was just kind of scary because there's some big bears. There are real bears. So you got to have some. Uh, that make you got to have your God confidence up and uh, yeah. make sure you ain't got no sin in your life. Right? Hey. Um, but he used to get up every morning at like six o'clock and, yeah. and pray for hours before work a few hours before he would go to work every day. And uh, then he moved it back to five. <laughs> then he moved it back to four. four. Then yeah. to three. I think now he goes to bed at like, I don't know, eight o'clock, wakes right. up at midnight it's and midnight. prays for uh, like three hours right. and goes back to bed until goes to work, work. at six yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So Incredible. this guy, you know, he's, he's about, about the business and we were asking him all kinds of questions because he actually has, I was asking him specifically has he um, had some predictive prophecies right? as well as like, you know, there's different kind of when, when the Bible uses the, the word prophecy, sometimes it's just talking about preaching and proclaiming right. God's viewpoint on things. Mm-hmm. And some, some even uh, prophecies written, like for instance, in the old Testament would be God's and like a God's eye view that you couldn't know from a human perspective alone, right. it'd be a God's eye view on current events. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, sometimes you don't know if this person gets elected as this, is this, you know, is God doing this? And if he is, is he doing it as judgment or is he doing it for salvation? Is he, right, you know, all right. those kinds of questions. So a lot of the Old Testament writings would be like, no, here's, here's why this is going on. They'll go back right. into the history and here's what God is saying through this. And if you'll turn back all these kinds of ideas. So part of his prophet prophecy, uh, the gifting. ministry that he yeah. has and the gifting is that he gives a God's eye view, but also in some cases, he's given some predictive prophecies, and we're going to jump in that to a minute. In a minute, yeah, I was thinking about the last podcast, and I started to reread through Defenders a little bit, and I mm. realized I I miss said the 
his the guy in Germany that he did his doctor under. I said Wolfgang Pannenhart or Pannenberg, and it's right. Wolfhart Pannenberg. So I just wanted to correct okay. that All because right. uh, I must have had Wolfgang pucks on the brain or something <laughs> like that. Um, but anyways, it was Wolfhart. So I just want to make sure we you know if we get something wrong, I just want to try yeah, to correct yeah. it for you guys. But as I was um, rereading it, I was reminded you know just the the just some of his in-depth research on the historical resurrection and i was just like man this is such such an important part of the of the of the christian faith of a historical apologetic and just want to remind you guys again i keep uh, harping on this but i just think it's so worth it to go to impact360.org go to their courses it will be linked under there do the uh, class the course on the historical resurrection historical arguments for the resurrection bit of a debate going on about Craig's approach right now mm-hmm. uh, in some of the reform circles that I mentioned so I'm thinking about how I want to engage with it I, I think I told you guys this last time I wrote in to his question of the week I'm hoping right. he'll pick it up and answer it I know he's already answered this in different places I actually just downloaded a book today uh, called uh, The Five Views on Apologetics hmm. and Craig is one of the contributors to that uh, oh, nice. Craig Gary Habermas John Frame does oh, the presuppositionalist yeah. route and there's there's a um, the reformed epistemology route right um, and so they, they all actually have a dialogue with each other kind of a debate in, in the form of a book that I think that'll that'll just you know I've kind of I've studied in depth these issues before but i want to refresh her because like i said there's this um a lot he's getting a lot of pushback from oh, a, from a certain group right now on his uh approach to this very thing the historical mm. argument to the resurrection and they're saying you know that he doesn't believe in the sufficiency of scripture and that mm. his approach to apologetics is not um biblically sound wow in other words we just need to we need to start from the presupposition that the Bible is the word of God. You don't argue to that on the basis of the horse historical resurrection. Hmm. So eventually I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take some of these claims apart, but I have to, whenever there's a difference when you kind of give a, a rebuttal or a refutation to these guys, because these guys are really sharp. They're doctorates of theology. So you really right. have to do more in depth study. So I'm going to take maybe a couple, maybe a month or two before I, before I jump into that fray, yeah, for <laughs> they sure. also uh, tend to be uh, not the most uh, soft and kind and compassionate. So if we put this out, it, it might, you know, draw some some conflict from their side. But I I could hear some of the mistakes they were making in his critique of him right away. But I just wanted mm. to make sure I did thorough research involved. So you could be on the lookout for that. I might even put it up on YouTube um, and oh, just yeah. do it. Just walk through it, um, play what they're saying um, step by step. But anyways, if you want to prepare for that, I just encourage you to jump on the MP- Impact 360 course, and I think it'll it'll be a good, uh, just a good help in your own walk. So anyways, back to, and let me say this one thing. We were, we were talking to my sister. She said our, uh, she, she, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is not afraid to critique. So she said our podcasts were too long. So Wow. <laughs> She Did said, you say that? she said one star. Yeah. No, she, no, gave, no. she gave us the mental one star. Um, no, no, no. For the length of our podcast. But she, you know, she's been listening to these other podcasts that are a lot shorter. And I said, well, part of ours is though, the other podcast she was listening to, they were more informational. So they were just kind right, of giving right. a quick bite size. And I said, part of ours, we have to interact with the material, give a critical right. assessment and a laying out. So that just naturally takes a little longer, but I do think we could shorten it. So this, this is what I want to ask you mm-hmm. listeners. I want to get you to, would you come on our Instagram, yeah, Facebook, yeah. which is what again, Stephen? 
at Freemind FM on Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. Right. And Free Mind Podcast FM on Facebook. On Facebook. And I want you to tell us if you think we need to shorten them and what your optimal sure. amount of time would be. Now, I'm right. not saying we'll we're going to do it because right. um, sometimes you just need to go through it and be patient. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know? But there, I feel like there is, you know, we're trying to figure out what is the, what's the best way to do this podcast where we can get the information out there and cover everything as best as possible, but not make it so long that you're like, man, I, if I download this today, it's going to eat too much of my day up. So I don't want right. to do it. And it's, and it's preventing you from, from giving it a chance. So just go ahead and interact. Tell us, we're going to try to keep these next few though to 30 minutes and see what you guys think. So we, ha- we actually got a few interactions this week uh, about four people um, hmm. responded to us. Maybe we'll share some of those next time. But they were really encouraging um, awesome. messages we got for how how it was helping people to think through their faith and to awesome. equip them with the with the knowledge necessary to understand what's going on in our culture and how to respond from a biblical perspective. So, anyways, um, back to the mountain prophet. Talking about equipping, yeah, we had a lot of conversations with with the mountain prophet. We did, and he talked a lot about. He felt like he had a word for us and and uh, maybe for the church as a whole. But talking yeah. about equipping the people in church. Um, for kind of the days ahead. So what, what in your mindset did you get from that? Yeah, man. Oof, so many things I think we're going to have a, have to have a few episodes, but <laughs> I think maybe first we should lay out a little bit of a framework because mm-hmm. there is a branch in, in Christianity known as, um, I don't know if it's a branch, but there's, there's a viewpoint called cessationism. Mm. And that's basically the viewpoint that once the, once the biblical canon was finished, um, and I can't remember the, I want to say the 200s or 300s probably. I think it was 320 something. Three, yeah. Council of Nicaea. Yeah. yeah. The, from that, yeah. from that point on, like there will be no more quote unquote, like gifts of the spirit, prophecies, healings, mm. or at least they wouldn't look like they did in the new Testament. There'd be a radical diminishing and cutting off because we had the, it's sort of like the canon was viewed as that scripture where now we see face to face. So these other things have passed away. was, was one of the proof texts typically in the past for that view. Um, that's called cessationism. We are going to presuppose that that viewpoint is not correct in this podcast. Um, and I do, I, and this could be something we could talk about a little bit with Stephen and Nerva. We all come from different backgrounds mm-hmm. church wise. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've said this before, but I've, I've gr- grew up in charismatic circles, you know, right. um, some more like in the backwoods, some less in the backwoods, some right. were, you, you know, running around the sanctuary. I remember this one dude actually ran around. He, he missed yeah. the turn and hit the wall. Seriously. You run that risk. There's still probably still holes in the wall. For yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, you s- any, anytime God moves, you see abuses. So right. I remember being, being growing up in it. I was actually attracted in college to cessationism because wow. in one in one okay. fell swoop it kind of knocks out all the craziness like sure. at once because you're sure. like man you can sort of just in, in in a sense it makes it easier because you can just just swipe it all off like say right, all right. this is you know just whatever it's just human beings right. or it's something but it's not anything we need to concern ourselves with and actually look into on a case by case basis. Right. We can just dismiss it. You all. chalk it up to emotionalism yeah. or just fanaticism and just kind of say like, well, that's for crazy people, you know, exactly. Basically. Exactly. And that, in that, and I'm not saying that many or most cessationists 
are attracted to it for that reason. I, I don't sure. have any study to back that up, but I, just for me personally, mm-hmm. coming out of that background, it was an attractive viewpoint. But I, scripturally, I, it just wasn't very compelling to me, the case for it. Right. And I actually began to notice more and more um, even Baptist theologians, very conservative theologians, who historically would have been part of groups that would have subscribed to cessationism were also saying that. They were saying, you know, I I don't understand the whole charismatic Pentecostal movement, but I don't think there's a good case for cessationism. Mm. Many of them were, were beginning to say that. And um, I think part of what drove cessationism in the past was a response to the what they perceived as the um, kind of unbalanced, um, unbiblical parts of Pentecost. So when it when it first happened, and it kind of broke out the charismatic movement uh, in England and America, and uh, um, William Seymour and mm. Azusa Street Revival and all that stuff. They there was a reaction against that, and they kind of I think I think searched arbitrarily for scriptures to back that up. And then when when it all settled down and people were able to look at it from a more um, calm and less emotional place, I think more and more theologians were saying, you know what, there probably isn't a great case for cessationism. But that opens the door, right, to right. all this stuff. And now we've got to deal with, like, how do you, how do you approach this? Because the doctrine of sola scriptura, where Scripture, you know, the Reformed doctrine that said Scripture is the final authority, right. well, if you prop the door open for God speaking sure. and these other things, how, how does that, work with that Mm. so that does raise those questions um i would say it would be easier to just wipe it all away yeah yeah and also growing up i grew up in an assemblies of god church assemblies of god churches can range from you know extremely but it's really you know no gifts really you know really operating they kind of believe in them like theologically but you won't you'll see see them right (laughs) and ag churches can skew all the way to the other side where the church i grew up in there was a lot of speaking in tongues and slaying in the spirit and stuff like that and um it wasn't until college where i kind of went to other charismatic churches and it would it got weird sometimes and you kind of have to really ask for discernment in the moment to say like yeah this doesn't really feel like you know God working, but it's tough because you don't want to make a judgment call, but you also have to, you know, yeah. use that discernment yourself. Yeah, for sure. And you came. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I'm telling you, nominal Christians. I didn't grow in a Christian, grow up in a Christian home, but we did visit the Catholic church, but the service was in Creole because we were Haitian and it was a Haitian church. But I never forget going off to college. I joined the gospel choir and at the end of rehearsal, um, they got together in a circle and prayed in the chapel at that point. Was it, it was in the evening, so it was dark, and they got to speaking in tongues and yeah. shouting, and I had never seen that before <laughs> in a dark wow. chapel, so it freaked me out, and I never went back that semester. <laughs> what did you think it was? Like- I don't know. I, I, no one explained anything. Okay. I, I knew it was something. I just didn't know what it was, and it just scared me, but I left that and joined the university choir. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would travel around the city to different churches that had revival, and um, I'll never forget, I, I'd heard the gospel preached with power. Yeah, and um, I was at the altar before they were even done and complete right. preaching the word. But um, yeah, I grew into it slowly and then learned what the gifts were. But initially, I just saw it and experienced it, and I was like, "Yikes! Mm. What is this?" So you know, you have to you you grow into it as you mature yeah. and you learn more about. And you eventually went to Bethel, right in Nashville. Oh they, yeah, Bethel. They were, I think the pastor there at the time at the would time best you, be described as Reformed Charismatic, which is a unique. 
back then. Right, yes, right. and I think you had to speak in tongues in order to even really? finish membership class. I'll okay. never forget, they taught on it, spent the week on it. It was good. They laid a great foundation for all of the gifts. The purple book? The purple book. <laughs> <laughs> Love the purple book. It's actually book. good. You can get that on Amazon, right? It just yep. walks you through basic yep. Bible Rice doctrines. Rice Brooks, so. Pastor Rice Brooks, the purple mm. book. God's Not Dead movies, shout out, you know. Yeah. Right, but right. yeah, so that was yeah, my experience. So, you know, we, we're all coming from kind of different places. I remember one story. <laughs> There was a guy from, uh, he was in Chris Tomlin's band, and he said once they were at a church, and, and I guess the pastor, they brought these this plate up to the stage, and it was oven mitts. And the pastor slipped his hands in the oven mitts, and he, he'd walk up, and he'd kind of hit somebody with the oven mitt, and they'd go wow. balking like a chicken. <laughs> and wow. this guy from the uh, Tomlin's band, he leaned over to his friend, he was like, hey. Go up there and get your base. Let's get out of here as quick as we can. Yeah, for sure. They just took for sure. <laughs> but um, so you know, you see that you see the snake handler and everything in between. But um, that doesn't mean obviously that there is a that there's not a biblical way to deal with this. And they're very thoughtful. And I'm thinking you could fact check me on this real quick, Stephen. Mm-hmm. This is just coming out of my the recesses of my mind. But I want to say Gordon Fee. Is probably a, a really good resource on the on the gifts. He's a high level scholar, um, and I can't remember the name of the book. Is Paul the Spirit and the People of God Gordon Fee? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> we'll check it later. We'll check it later. Okay, I'll let good, y'all good. know uh, hopefully on the next podcast if that's right or if I if I got a Wolfgang Pannenberg going on again. Hey. But I think it's Gordon Fee. There's many more. There are many more. Um, it looks like that is talking about it. It's discussion about the Holy Spirit, okay, in a way that transcends charismatic or non-charismatic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Paul and the Spirit and the people of God. And there's also J.P. Moreland's book Kingdom Triangle, where he spends um, one of his chapters talking about the manifest presence of God and and current stories. Another interesting book. This one is probably not for the faint of heart, but Craig Keener's got a two volume book on miracles. Oh boy, right. And so so. Uh, the second part of the cessationist argument was that if you look through history about the time of the close of the canon or the end of the apostolic age, they said miracles just did diminish. Like they seemed to like come to an end and seemed to stop. But many people have pointed out that this was actually based on insufficient research. And Craig's book, for instance, um, he documents miracles all throughout church history, especially mm-hmm. even in the modern age that are, right. and he only, um, he only puts the ones in there that he said cannot be explained away by psychosomatic processes. So a psychosomatic right. process is like something that can plausibly be explained by you, like you think you're better. So your, your headache feels better, you know, or something that is psycho it's, which means the soul somatic means body. Um, so it's like a mental thing that changes the state of your body and they can document that, that, like the mind really can't affect the body, but right. he weeds those out of his um of his book. Or when he when he does give ones that can be explained like that, he notes it. But there's crazy miracles like r- literal uh, re- resurrections from the dead, like yep. people praying for people hours after they were dead, yep. being raised up. Uh, weather miracles um, that he right. documents, uh, all kind of wild stuff, and every, it happening from everywhere, from Africa to even in the United States, where right. it, where it was medically documented in the hospital. So a cessationist thinks what of miracles? They've just, uh, flew, you, know, you know, what is that under the guise I think of? there's a range of it, but basically that 
like we shouldn't expect to see what we saw in the New Testament. If you see a miracle nowadays, it's it's really really rare, and it's um it's probably not something. Um, pray for and just yeah yeah it's okay. not it's not like something that we we would really really seek after or and definitely uh I say definitely uh, I'm trying to be careful I don't think prophecy prophecy is sure. even less you know allowed in the mix because they right. often see that as a threat to sola scriptura my mind goes to that um clip I saw on YouTube is it John MacArthur's church where a guy yeah. stood up in the middle of his service and just went at him and said yeah, you kinda, need to change your thoughts concerning yeah, the the gifts and just kind of and they just kind of escorted him out of the service yeah, i was like that was wow so he would be a cessationist so concerned. john MacArthur is a cessationist as far as i okay. know he and it, again like great biblical commentator mm-hmm. a lot of respect for I him have his commentary, yeah um we yeah we have his commentary we we use it um but he he did do a conference called uh, strange fire in which he he and a bunch of other cessationists were kind of really coming for the Pentecostal charismatic movement, uh, to which Michael Brown, who I often quote on here, Michael Brown is a, a Pentecostal apologist, theologian with his doctorate, I think in ancient Near Eastern studies or something like that from, from NYU. So he's a brilliant guy, but he wrote a response to that conference called Authentic Fire. I think it's called Authentic mm. Fire. Okay, wow. Um, so, you know, it, it might issue, be worth, yeah, yeah it's, it's still an issue. I do think that it's, I do think where the Pentecostals and Charismatics used to be kind of the lepers, it's, it's much more mainstream now to not be a cessationist than it was 50, 60 years ago. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a good thing, but but like I said, you, I, I, there is a tension there, and oftentimes, I, I hate to even say oftentimes, but <laughs> there are times where I've been involved in more charismatic circles where you do see less of an emphasis, less of an emphasis on Bible teaching, right, and um, being careful with your thinking. Um, and that's why the again that kingdom triangle to pull all three threads together of renovation of the Christian mind, like being very, very careful in your thinking and biblical study, um, the renovation of the heart, having character, and the third leg being the manifest presence of God hmm. coming through, you know, signs, wonders, miracles, prophecies, all that kind of stuff. It's very hard to hold all three of those together, but I but I still maintain when you have all three, you have a really strong um, group that can really make an impact in a society and a culture. Okay, remember that time we were singing with the worship team? And we went to the AG convention, and during worship, it was packed. Like, oh, yeah. all, all the seats were filled. We'd say the National Assembly of God right. convention. During we worship. Were you, was that with the Travis? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I was actually there for that. Wow. One. And they had an LED screen in the back. I, I mean, like, it was, yes. it it was, was like fantastic. Yes, it was amazing. I st- okay, yes. and you guys then, opened with total praise, right? Yes, Okay, sorry. Okay, that's funny was, that yeah, you awesome. were there. That's I was there. We didn't yeah. know that. Now, then, two, like, sure. a month before that, we had done the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, they actually okay. had two stages, same <laughs> room. One was the worship stage. Wait a minute. Yes. And one was the speaker stage. Yes. And it was a long room, and everybody was centered around the speaking stage. So we were literally singing worship to like empty seats. Yes. No one wow. gave the worship in the time and of day. I was day. like, man, this is this so that's is the what perfect. This me of. Just to emphasize the differences and yeah, um, man. yeah, thought concerning yeah, yeah, gifts and, and you know, of God and there are hmm. there are incredible. Pentecostal charismatic scholars, but 
I, I do think for a time period, whenever I was, whenever I would be looking for kind of the guys in these different areas, I would, it would rarely stumble upon a Pentecostal charismatic theologian. It just, it wasn't right. a, it, it didn't tend to be okay. as high yeah. of an emphasis. And in fact, many of them unfortunately saw Bible doctrine as like more of a hindrance, a hindrance. Yeah. To, to the spirit, you know, the, they right. almost oppose Bible doctrine is being like the the letter that kills and prophecy and the right. gifts being the spirit that gives life. And that's just a an unbiblical I think it's, dichotomy. It's also because there's such an emphasis on faith that the intellectual pursuit almost seems to contradict the living by faith and that faith right. you see the works of God. Yeah, and so yeah. it's, it almost seems in con- in conflict. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the, the misdefinition of faith is right. the idea. And I've heard pastors actually say that on stage, like, well, if you knew it, it wouldn't be faith. And that's right. not the biblical distinction. The biblical distinction would be if you saw it, it wouldn't be faith. Because the, sure. the idea of the faith, faith in Scripture is always opposed to sight in the sense that we don't yet see the fulfillment of something that's come to pass. At right. that point, like Paul says, the faith, you know, faith, hope, and love, the grace of these love, and some of those elements would, pa- would pass when we see him face to face. In other right. words, like, it was almost like your faith, um, what's that song that says, um, uh, man, the, uh, it is well, when faith becomes sight. You know, it's like this transition of like, your confidence in God, that substance of things hoped for, right. then sort of transfers. But it was never opposed to knowledge. It was always right. in, like environed within knowledge or grounded in knowledge. Right. So that even when you had cases where it extended past your knowledge, like in the case of Abraham where he said he didn't know what, where he was going, but he went by faith, mm. it was grounded in his knowledge of God. Right. He knew God to be based on God's revelation. So faith mm. is just confidence or faith in the faithfulness of God that's displayed through creation and through his scripture. That's good. And so I do good. think you're right about that misunderstanding of faith. I think in the, in the charismatic world sometimes can be like a denial of reality and the idea that right. faith is opposed to knowledge. And it's just something we got to work right. up from the inside. And, you know, nope. and that does tend to work against like the hard study right. of scripture. And it almost feels like the polar opposite of cessationism, where if you are not seeing miracles almost on a weekly basis in your services, yeah. you do not have enough faith or you're not operating <laughs> yep. like That's God sad. is intending. Mm. Yeah. So, cause you yeah. have no, you know, anyway. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, some people have said, you know, the, the two poles in their view were cessationism and sensationalism. Okay. Right. And I right. think that is hard to, to work sure. in between those. And I, and I think you're exactly right that when you get in this place of like faith is formulaic and we can produce the results if we just get the the uh, kind of the environment right, you know, right. that the God's right. kind of set these things already. He's already handed to us. It's us to, right. up to us to just decree and declare it and make it come to pass. Right. Um, again, there's some truth in those elements. We'd have to tease that out because there is there is the condition of faith that god responds to and there is where jesus yeah. said you know Please your faith has made yeah. you whole but right. the problem of taking that extra step and saying well this is the formula and you can right. kind of corner god oh boy. <laughs> by your faith oh and make it happen yeah. is, is right. unbiblical as well but anyways wow. uh I, so we're coming up on, <laughs> right. that, <laughs> say, on that magic number in this podcast <laughs> so so let's uh let's say Let's just say this here. We 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 wanted to talk a little bit about cessationism to to say 
we don't have it. We don't have time to go through and do an in-depth biblical um, exegesis on why we don't. But we're going to point you to some resor- resources. Yep. Hopefully, we can get you to where that you can check into those debates yourself on your own time because we're trying right. to limit our time. Hey. Here. Um, but but also to say when we are talking about you know listening to someone that that has the gift, the prophetic gift, that we think we would say biblically that that is a uh, legitimate thing to have and we would always want to uh test that and that's what we're going to start with next podcast we're going to talk about how do you test mm. prophecies oh, that's good. and um so that you don't fall into that problem of eroding uh sola scriptura the bible right. is the final authority which is our really our plumb line that's good if you have questions or feedback on the podcast, again, we'd love to hear you on social media at Freemind FM, Instagram, and Twitter, Freemind Podcast FM on Facebook. Let us know what you think about the length of the episodes and what is your ideal length in minutes, maybe minutes to the second of a, <laughs> of a podcast for your listening pleasure. And uh, definitely check out impact360.org. Again, the promo code is in show notes, Freemind, and the link is there along with the books and links that we talked about in this episode. We'll see you next time. <laughs>